the NFL schedule is out. So it's time to put some of our favorite best ball strategies to use. Of course, we're going to dive into some roster construction, but we're also going to figure out how we can maybe stack up week 17, get a little fun correlation, but do it in the right way. Here on Spike Week, we're drafting in the puppy on underdog and see if we can take this baby down for $75,000. All right, guys, we hopped into a puppy. We're going to cut in middle of the first round. I got the 102 in this draft. We, of course, took Jamar Chase, which will set up some fun conversations, especially about week 17 with that juicy, juicy Bengals-Chiefs game. We're going to see if we can still make a great team while discussing a little bit of the week 17 stuff with the Chiefs-Bengals, but not going crazy with jumping into that game. Let's figure it out. So we pop in, as I said, got the 102. We took Jamar Chase. We're now early second round. We've got a pretty wide receiver heavy room here. So how do we wade our way through this wide receiver heavy room in this draft? I took Jamar Chase 102. Christian McCaffrey did go 103, but then we had Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown, Devontae Adams, and even Amon Ross St. Brown all in the top 10. Then we finally get to B. John Robinson and then CeeDee Lamb. We do get a couple of running backs in a row with Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, and Saquon. But then it goes right back to a wide receiver heavy room with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jalen Waddell. The Cooper Cup drafter takes Patrick Mahomes. And now we're on to the Tyreek Hill drafter. And so we have five different drafters in the middle of this draft who are wide receiver heavy start. So that's a big thing that we need to take into account. Tyreek Hill team takes Nick Chubb. Now we're on to the Travis Kelsey team, but understanding the fact that all these guys are taking a bunch of wide receivers is something that's important to us. That's not, this is not uncommon, right? If you've drafted at all on underdog so far, but it is when we get to this two, three turn, there's going to probably be a running back that looks really good, but we have to figure out if it makes sense for this team. So Devonta Smith goes, and this is, this is the, this is the difficult decision of do you take T Higgins with Jamar Chase, particularly if some other people are doing it? We have Justin, the Justin Jefferson drafter behind us. I am going to take T Higgins and set up a Bengals stack and see what the drafter at the turn does. I really like just about anybody that's available here at the turn. And of course, how could you not love um, the Bengals stack? It is pricey, but setting up a Bengals stack and whether we get Burrow or not, whether we get the Chiefs that we want or not for the juicy, juicy week 17 action is okay. But I, I like to take, go ahead and take T and let the drafter at the turn here kind of dictate where we go with our next pick. So they take Pollard and Ramondre. I think there's a bunch of different ways we can go here, but I'm actually going to do something a little bit funky and take Jalen Hurts on this Bengals team. And you might say, why? in the heck would you take Jalen Hurts when you've set up the Bengals? And it's because no one is is building a team. And I have Dallas Goddard in my back pocket 
for my eagle stack with a stack that i think is going to be fairly common particularly now because of the chiefs and bengals week 17 game we may ju have jumped the shark a smidge on exactly how many people are really factoring in week 17 into their drafts but what i do believe is that the most hardcore drafters will often be the ones that are driving adp right so adp isn't necessarily driven by just the people hopping in you know drafting the best available player because they're not pushing guys up boards they're taking that best available player where adp comes from is from the sickos like us that maybe are prioritizing some of the week 17 stuff a little bit more i talked about this on a show if you listen on this thursday our weekly thursday show it's called legendary sickos which is a show that i do with pat corain you know him from ship chasing from legendaryupside.com and of course from his two million dollar win last year in best ball mania three but we we dug in pretty deep on uh week 17 the schedule and some different ways to attack these tournaments while still getting your week 17 correlations, but doing it in a smart way. And this is a little bit of an element, a, a different version of, of that element, but Pat outlined that this is actually, so when this team sucks, uh, please go onto Twitter and at Pat Corain, do not at me, but something he said that was super fascinating to me, um, which has has been stuck in my brain since then. But it, I've been thinking about it through the lens of the Bengals. Clearly, Bengals Chiefs in week 17 is a, a very appetized game. And clearly the Bengals stacks are great. I wrote an article just recently about how double stacking elite offenses can inherently increase your chances of getting low owned high leverage players into the best ball playoffs and the, the Bengals were actually that example of this played out two years ago if you double stack the Bengals, you were extremely high leverage and you were able to get a low owned jamar chase into the final with a Bengals stack ironically this exact same spot like they played the chiefs in that championship but something that pat talked about that i think is super fascinating i don't think that this jamar chase t higgins start is going to be anything super crazy i think uh the casual drafter may not be all that cognizant of this week 17 thing and, and Bengals stacks they 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 may be interested in of course jamar chase and t but i think our super sharp drafters will be on the Bengals. so you're not getting anything unique from a jamar chase t higgins start even if you get t in the third round but what i do think will happen is the jamar chase drafters and in those that draft both of them will be much more apt to take to be waiting on joe burrow or maybe they would take patrick mahomes to set up this week 17 correlation whereas if you show up to the final you have jalen hurts with your Bengals stack and you just say i, I just need jalen hurts versus your joe burrow right and i need the e and the eagles which fun fact the eagles play the arizona cardinals in week 17. they're going to score as many points as they would like to score in that game Kyler might be back. They might be able to push the Eagles a little bit. Jalen Hurts is going to project for more points and a higher ceiling than Joe Burrow in week 17. So I'm really interested in experimenting with something like this, where what Pat outlined was with the Chargers in that he drafted Jalen Hurts similar to exactly how I did here and then swiped all the Chargers away from, uh, you know, a drafter who might want Justin Herbert. And that makes a lot of sense as well. And so Joe Burrow, I think, is up somewhat of a similar quarterback, maybe a little bit higher upside than Justin Herbert, but they're pretty similar 
in that in that lens. And so when I show up with the Bengals stack, but I have Jalen Hurts, a rushing quarterback on an elite offense, I can beat the Joe Burrow stack versions of this team while still maintaining my super elite leverage with the the Bengals stack. So we come back on the clock here and the wide receiver heaviness has certainly died down a little bit, which is nice. You might be able to dive into our wide receiver, wide receiver range here. And what I am actually gonna do is take uh, a guy who has really continued to grow on me and that's Terry McLaurin. I don't have a really strong preference and this is something I really try to do around some of these turns. And that's actually what I did with Hertz. I was like, I'm intrigued by this Hertz idea, but I would like to set up the Bengal stack. So let's take T first. And that's the same thing here. I really don't have a super strong, this is a very flat tier for me, whether you prefer Mike Williams or Jerry Judy or Drake London, Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, right? Depending on, like that's all kind of personal preference. This is a really flat tier. So I preferred Terry McLaurin, and I think there's a couple other downstream benefit to Terry McLaurin, which we'll get into. But then I, I'm not, I, I don't have a, a strong preference on who I get here at this next turn. So it comes back around. Here's another thing. Apparently this is just fresh in my mind. You see, I took Terry McLaurin and part of what was in the back of my mind was George Kittle. So we started Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Jalen Hurts, Terry McLaurin, and George Kittle. This partially uh, leads this team into probably a little more of a naked Jalen Hurts. But I think that the, the Eagles are one of these unique teams that you can just take a, a naked Jalen Hurts. And I outline kind of why at the top with that. I'm basically just subbing out AJ Brown and Devonta Smith for Jamar Chase and T Higgins and saying Jalen Hurts is still going to get there. But the guy I really want is one of those Bengal. On the flip side, we hit Terry McLaurin and George Kittle on this four or five turn here. It doesn't lock me out of Dallas Goddard. You can, of course, still draft Dallas Goddard on this team. I don't know that he'll get back. But Terry McLaurin was my preference at wide receiver at that turn. And I think that George Kittle is a great example of, again, something we talked about on the Thursday Legendary Sickos show, that elite tight end is maybe actually becoming a little bit undervalued. We might've overvalued it for a couple of years. I don't wanna say overvalued necessarily. It became a very popular perceived edge were the elite tight ends. And then it was perceived last year in particular, somewhat the year before, other than Mark Andrews, that elite tight end kind of failed. And if you go onto legendaryupside.com and you read the latest piece about elite tight ends from Pat, you'll see that from a best ball perspective, elite tight end probably didn't fail actually. Travis Kelsey was on the tournament winning team on Drafter, which is a cumulative scoring format. So of course, a little bit different than this puppy that we're drafting. But in a cumulative scoring setting where you have to score the most points from week one to week 17, Travis Kelsey was actually on the winning team as the first round pick. Or excuse me, George Kittle was on the winning team as the, as the first round pick. And Pat had George Kittle on his team as well. And so George Kittle didn't necessarily score like a, a total cumulative amount of points that you feel like was, you know, when you go look back, a flaw in season in fantasy football analysis, analysis can be, look how many points he scored, look how many points he averaged on the year. But you go look back and you look at the spike weeks, no pun intended, that George Kittle produced at the tight end position when tight end is so low scoring yes of course it happened to be in a very timely fashion right he did it in the playoffs but that's part of the point when you have those spike weeks in your bag and you're going to produce them more frequently than other players at the tight end position that is a huge edge and so i'm very interested in even though quarterbacks feel 
pricey at this elite spot and the tight ends feel like gross and that we should just take some cheap tight ends i'm pretty interested in something like this and we're we're trying to combine some leverage we clearly built in some some week 17 fun terry mclaurin plays against george kittle in in week 17 and so um i'm, I'm pretty excited so we come back on the clock i want to take a look obviously i have two bengals and so i'm very interested in Kadarius Tony. I do want to take a look here. The turn drafter setting up a j potential Jag stack and a potential. So what I'm 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 just gonna take Kadarius Tony here, which we'll discuss Tony in in just a minute when we come when we get past this turn here. But that's an important thing that I try to do is when especially when you're picking out of this 11 spot. You know you're at you're right at this turn, so this works perfectly. I'm actually not going to take Isaiah Pacheco. And so this turn of Kadarius Tony and Isaiah and potentially Isaiah Pacheco is going to be a big talking point for me about the week 17 thing. So I'm going to take Cam Akers here. So you may be wondering, okay, started with this Bengals stack, but then you didn't take the Bengals quarterback, but I get it. What you did there, you're trying to gain a little bit of leverage on that Bengals stack. I don't know that I agree with you, right? That's what you're saying. But I understand where you're coming from. Then you come back around in the sixth round and you take Kadarius Tony who's correlated with your Bengals week 17 game. But then you come to the the top player by ADP is Isaiah Pacheco, who also correlates. Why would you then take Cam Akers? What happened to the correlation idea? It's the perfect example of how I want to implement week 17 correlation. I don't necessarily have a problem with Isaiah Pacheco, but for me personally, Kadarius Tony is ranked in this range, goes in this range, is appropriately valued in this range. I understand if you disagree. For me, and if you go check out the Spike Week rankings on spikeweek.com, you'll see that I value Kadarius Tony at this spot. So drafting him, the correlation just so happens to be the, the way that I draft him over the other guys in the tier, right? Kadarius Tony is very similar to Jordan Addison and Traylon Burks and Marquise Brown, not so much Michael Thomas, but he's very similar to those guys. It's a, it's again, it's a little bit of a tier right there that is a bunch of players who, if you prefer Jordan Addison or you prefer Marquise Brown, I would have no problem, but they're all very similar to me. I do value the potential breakout of Kadarius Tony on the Chiefs with a very limited uh, amount of target competition. So when, when I get to that pick and it's a flat tier, the correlation that Kadarius Tony offers me with T Higgins and Jamar Chase boosts him above those other guys because they're all the same. So that element adds adds a little bit, adds a, bit, a little bit of juice to Kadarius Tony. On the flip side, Cam Akers is in a totally separate tier of running backs to Isaiah Pacheco for me personally. If you disagree, that's totally fine. But for me personally, Cam Akers is actually one of, if not the most undervalued running backs in the entire player pool. We might get to the guy who is actually my most undervalued running back later, but Cam Akers is in a much higher tier than Isaiah Pacheco. I actually think Pacheco's probably a little overdrafted. Even if Pacheco wasn't overdrafted, I still have Cam Akers so much higher than him that the correlation does not offset the difference in value loss and projection loss that I would get by passing on Cam Akers. So that's, those are the things I'm always trying to weigh when I'm considering these things like correlation and the, the super, you know, controversial and sexy week 17 thing is it seems like, oh, well, you just drafted the Bengals and Kadarius Tony for the correlation. So you should take Isaiah Pacheco, but it's not that simple. 
and everybody has to do part of that for themselves or you can subscribe to spike week and get our rankings and we'll help you with that but it's not as straightforward as oh next guy up is a chief or there's a chief near in adp i have to take them when i have the Bengals. so that's kind of the, the delicate balancing act that we're always trying to uh, figure out. So we're about to be back on the clock here. At the end of the eighth round, we've got one quarterback, Jalen Hurts, one running back, Cam Akers, four wide receivers, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Terry McLaurin, Kadarius Tony, and George Kittle. So I do feel pretty good about these wide receivers. However, A, the wide receivers uh, on the board here are some of the best, you know, top Top picks by ADP. I also agree that some of them are are the best picks. I'm actually going to take Rashad Bateman here. I am quite bullish on the Ravens' potential offense this year. Uh, I have Bateman ranked higher than this. I don't want to get totally locked out of this kind of tier of wide receiver. I have an anchor running back in Cam Akers, which you might say anchor running back, 74th overall. But I'm willing to, to ride with Cam Akers as kind of my lead running back. And then I'm going to take... This is, this is an, again, where I'm going to take my guy who is uh, the top player on the board here with Jamison Williams. And yes, I know he's suspended for six weeks, but I do have a pretty strong wide receiver room already. I will probably take seven wide receivers in this. So for six weeks, I have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Terry McLaurin, Kadarius Toney, Rashad Bateman, and one more wide receiver to fill out those spots. And I feel comfortable doing that. Uh, particularly in a format like the puppy, like most formats on underdog, where I'm really trying to target playoff upside. So we're making our way through the 10th round here. And you see, you just see visually with the board, the steep drop in wide receiver. And that's why I do really prefer right now being much more wide receiver heavy even with a Jamison Williams who's going to miss some time I would rather get his upside baked into my teams than start to wade into the next wide receiver after him is Juju Smith-Schuster Elijah Moore who I mean I'm still a big fan of Elijah Moore but we're talking about the slot receiver for the Browns Odell Beckham we don't know if Odell Beckham can play anymore Alan Lazard a role-playing wide receiver on the Jets. It gets gross really, really quickly. Pretty disappointed that Rashad Penny didn't get back to me. That was really what I was hoping for to build in this, this Eagles correlation. I know that Rashad Penny isn't really directly correlated to Jalen Hurts. He's probably not ever going to catch a touchdown pass from Jalen Hurts. But when I'm building this Hurts with Bengals, this kind of very unique Eagles slash Bengals stack, Penny was a way for me to build in kind of this natural leverage within this team my guy damian harris goes but what i am gonna do is take a rookie who i'm pretty excited for uh top player on the board falls nine picks after adp and that's devin a chain who gosh if people hate week 17 they're really gonna despise this draft but this is also how it just can flow naturally devin a chain plays against rashad bateman in week 17. See, sometimes you just get week seven. I wasn't even targeting that one. About to be back on the clock again. Good, very excited. I really wanted to get Eli Mitchell on this team. And of course, here's another funny one. I'm not really targeting Eli Mitchell because of the correlation, but it ha when you start to build out correlation throughout your entire draft, you can kind of stumble into some of these spots where I have George Kittle and Terry McLaurin, right? They play in week 17. That's great. But I, I, I like Eli Mitchell. Eli Mitchell is my top player on the board right here, period. I think he's being extremely undervalued as even if he's just the clear handcuff to Christian McCaffrey, 
we know what Eli Mitchell does when Christian McCaffrey is does not exist. We saw it two years ago, and we saw it for spurts last season. He In the 49ers offense, if you're a running back that's getting the football, you're going to produce. Jeff Wilson has done it, right? Raheem Mostert has done it. Everybody except Trey Sermon <laughs> has done it. The 49ers produce running back fantasy points. Last year, even when they traded for Christian McCaffrey, Eli Mitchell still had a role. Of course, a lesser role. This is Christian McCaffrey's backfield. But you're going to get a little bit of juice out of Eli Mitchell, I think, even with Christian McCaffrey healthy. So particularly on a uh, what I would call a zero RB build like this, he can have value. He's going to have games with 60, 70, 80 yards and a touchdown, even with Christian McCaffrey out there. Probably be the guy playing in garbage time if they happen to blow anybody out. There's so much value in the direct handcuff in a high value offense. We know whoever plays running back for the San Francisco 49ers is going to crush for fantasy. And so Eli Mitchell being the next man up has a ton of value. And so he is just an absolute smash for me here in the one in the 120s. He fits this team. And of course, we stumble into a little bit more week 17 correlation just to trigger everyone. While we're waiting for our pick to come back here, we're about eight, eight, eight picks away. If you look at your screen, you can see our spike week draft hacker doing its job. If you look in the player on the in the player list, you see players highlighted in green, mashups highlighted in green, percentages highlighted in green and red. And what you see is my my personal settings, which are actually the, the default settings for the Spike Week Draft Hacker. There's a link to get access in the description. All you have to do is sign up for Spike Week Premium and you get access to our premium browser extension, which will give you these overlays on your draft. And it'll do things like, oh, you have Chiefs or Bengals on your team. Jarek McKinnon highlighted in green. You should look at him because he correlates with your team, right? Or you see Kendra Miller, the third guy on the list here. His playoff schedule is, I have his playoff schedule on here. So he plays the Giants in week 15, the Rams in week 16, and the Bucks in week 17. It's green with the Rams. So he, I know he plays the Rams in week 16. Obviously it's on my screen, but I have a Ram. So I, I would get it's week 16. Maybe you don't care about the week 16. And there goes Kendra Miller. It's week 16. Maybe you don't care about it. Look, Jalen Hyatt correlates in week 16 and week 17 because I have Jalen Hurts and I have Cam Akers on my team, right? And so you also see the percentages. You see I have 18% Jalen Hyatt, 27% Derek Carr, uh, 0% Alec Pierce. I'm very early in my, uh, in my underdog drafts here, as you can see. The draft hacker is just critical for for my drafts and being able to do a lot of these correlation things or when i get to a point and i say maybe alec pierce was the one that looked like Jalen hyatt he's got the correlation he's at the top of the queue i have zero percent of him that would be the perfect time to take him right maybe i don't love him but it's the perfect time to take him if the screen is lighting up and saying hey look this guy fits on this team this guy fits on this team so draft him now so i am going to take um, Jalen Hyatt as my seventh and final wide receiver. I've talked on a, a few other different shows about kind of my love for Jalen Hyatt in best ball. And he just so happens to fit very, very nicely on this team. I love getting the old Bolitnikov winner on a Giants offense that seems pretty exciting with not a lot of target competition in the uh, basically the 13th round. That feels pretty good. And so here is a great example of where I'm not going to force any this is where people would say okay who correlates who should you take that correlates no i'm taking the best available running back on the board for me 
here. You don't have to default to things like correlation at every single pick. And Tyler Algier is the next man up for me at running back. Raheem Mostert was near there, but I already have Devin Achain and I don't personally want to. I don't think it's unreasonable to take both of both Miami backs. The problem is that they have three guys. And so actually, I actually think it at when certain backfields and at certain prices, you can draft both running backs. I actually earlier today did a puppy draft where Alvin Kamara fell to me at pick like 135, three rounds after ADP. I actually passed on him uh, past ADP because I just preferred some other guys. And he falls all the way back to me three rounds after ADP. So I took him. And then Kendra Miller also fell past ADP and I took him. Now you might say, well, there's three guys there, Jamal Williams. But I think Jamal Williams is more of a, you know, low value touch player and maybe a little bit of goal line, which is a nuisance. But I think if someone were to take over the backfield, not only for the season, but in any given game, it is the archetype of Alvin Kamara and Kendra Miller. So pairing them together, they could both hit. One of them could hit. One of them could get hurt. And I don't want either of them to necessarily get hurt, but at picks in the 130s or 140s, that's a very different conversation than handcuffing Christian McCaffrey with Eli Mitchell. Because if Christian McCaffrey goes down, Eli Mitchell's not making up enough ground for you. And other teams have Eli Mitchell without CMC. So the price and the particular backfield is such an important element. And I don't think that the Dolphins would be that crazy of one to consider. But I think the fact that Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert are very similar and then you have the new rookie makes it a little bit hairier. And so when I have Tyler Algier, who I do prefer, who I do think has gotten a little bit undervalued in drafts now, I love Bijan Robinson as much as the next person, but it's it's well within the range of outcomes that Tyler Algier gets a fair share of, of work. He was excellent last year. And I think I think we should project Tyler Algier for at least a role. I don't think Bijan is gonna play 100% of snaps. I think it's probably more like maybe let's call it 75, 70%. And so that leaves Tyler Algier with 20, 25%, 30% of the Falcons backfield touches. We know how efficient he can be. And then of course, it's a similar situation to Eli Mitchell. The Falcons running backs are gonna be good for fantasy. That we know. We can hate Arthur Smith and how much they run as much as we want, but the Falcons running backs are gonna be good for fantasy. So you're getting that guy that we has proven he's good for fantasy in this offense at a really cheap price now. We know he's the direct handcuff. I'm pretty into Tyler Algier. And there is a certain level of uncertainty into how much work Bijan is gonna get. Bijan is the lead. No one is denying that. But I, I think that Tyler Algier probably is going to be a thorn in the side of, of uh, Bijan drafters uh, a little more than they might have hoped to start the year. So again, Algier was the guy for me there. We start to come back on the clock. This is where you start to, this is where the draft hacker is so helpful because you're trying to decide between a bunch of late round picks who are all very similar. And so when guys start to light up, of course, I'm not particularly, uh, I'm not going to draft another wide receiver on this team. I do have just one quarterback and one tight end which is kind of planned but i want to keep looking into i'm i'm okay i'm comfortable looking at tight end and quarterback of course but i'm i'm mostly trying to dig my my teeth into some of these running backs maybe not because it's a little bit gross right there. here's what i'm going to do we're going to close out tight end with uh, my favorite rookie tight end sam laporta 
who of course doesn't court i don't have any dallas cowboys on the team possible later we'll get to, maybe we'll get maybe we'll get to the old uh backup cowboys running backs in this in this draft i actually have sam laporta over dawson knox Taysom hill gerald everett mike Kosicki, etc so um it just so happens to help that jameson williams is also on that team let's look at quarterback really quickly I'm not particular. I know Bryce Young is past ADP, but I don't have any pass catchers of Bryce Young. I don't plan to draft any pass catchers of Bryce Young. And this is where, and I, I say that, and I'm going to take another Panther, but this is where, again, I'm going to stick to my board. And Chuba Hubbard just wrote an article about my favorite zero RB targets for this season, uh, multiple of which show up on this team both cam Akers and chuba hubbard uh uh chuba hubbard even even though i took him 18 picks ahead of adp he was the second highest running back on the board by adp we just discussed why jeff wilson doesn't necessarily make sense on my team in particular uh with devin a chain so chuba is the highest running back on the board that's that doesn't uh, that that fits on on this team and i think he's just an extreme value i think um 188 still he's he's risen over the last couple of weeks but 188 is still too low for the clear handcuff to miles sanders who will also have a, miles sanders is is not playing every snap on that offense i believe that it's probably going to be more like 60 40 65 35 something along those lines with sanders and hubbard and so you're getting a again standalone value the panthers offense We'll see how it goes with, um, you know, with Bryce and with their wide receivers being DJ Chark and Adam Thielen and Jonathan Mingo and Hayden Hurst as the tight end to one of the least skillful um, skill groups in the whole NFL. But that didn't matter last year. They were incredibly efficient on the ground. They have an elite offensive line, at least in terms of run block run blocking. And so if Chuba has a has a part-time role on a zero running back team, he is going to be useful. And we know he's the clear cuff handcuff to Miles Sanders, which has a ton of value. And so I'm very much into Chuba Hubbard here and he fits this team like a glove. So we're about eight picks away from being back on the clock in round 16. And I did just want to recap the team really quickly. Quarterback, we got Jalen Hurts, an unstacked Jalen Hurts, an unstacked Jalen Hurts. We played a little funky uniqueness game at the top of this draft, but Jalen Hurts. And so we're still going to be looking for that second quarterback. Running back, we went with more typical, if you know me, shocker zero running back group, Cam Akers, Devin Achain, Eli Mitchell, Tyler Algier, and Chuba Hubbard. And so my plan, given this running back room, given the fact that I have an elite quarterback and an elite tight end, which we'll get to, and a pretty strong wide receiver group of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Terry McLaurin, Kadarius Toney, Rashad Bateman, Jamison Williams, and Jalen Hyatt. I feel very comfortable with that seven-person seven group. I obviously feel comfortable with Hertz. And then we have George Kittle and Sam Laporta at tight end. Definitely done at tight end with those two guys. So I'll be looking to attach another running back to this group. Uh, excuse me, two more running backs to this group because where I am weak is running back. Everywhere else, I'm good. That means I need to make sure I have seven backs because I love all these backs and I, my sick brain feels more comfortable with these backs than probably anyone else on the planet. But I just want to keep using my lottery tickets, which is what late round picks are. I want to use these scratch off tickets on running backs because that's where this team will benefit the most from hitting on a late round 
uh, late round pick at running back versus any other position. And of course, I have three picks left. I'll be taking a quarterback. If, again, if anyone knows me, they probably know who it is. And you can probably already see it on your screen who I have queued up. Oh my gosh, we just got sniped on Kenny Gainwell. And I don't even like Kenny Gainwell, but I am triggered. I was not prepared. We're just going to take Sam Howell here in the 16th round. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I'm upset. I'm just going to go ahead and take Howell. I know it's ahead of ADP. Shoot me, value hounds. But I thought we were going to get still this Eagles this Eagles thing at the end. I, I really, I really honestly am not into Kenny Gainwell this year, but I'm also willing to admit that on an Eagles team where I don't have those wide receivers and I don't have Dallas Goddard, I don't have DeAndre Swift, there's a path to Kenny Gainwell playing a part, especially on a zero RB team. If Kenny Gainwell is what we are hoping DeAndre Swift is, right? Miles Sanders is gone. Rashad Penny don't catch passes and he gets hurt every year. DeAndre Swift also gets hurt every year. There is a path, albeit a thin one, where Kenny Gainwell makes sense and he makes sense. This team is specifically where he makes the most sense. So I'm gonna take, again, if you know me, one of my guys, Jerome Ford, there is absolutely risk in um, the guy at the top of the queue. Jerome Ford being usurped by Kareem Hunt coming back, right? Or Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette or something coming to Cleveland. But I'm willing to make that bet here in the 17th or 18th round, in particular on one of these teams where it's another situation um, like the 49ers, where Nick Chubb is always just going to be better. But just about anybody that slots in and gets work on the Cleveland Browns as a running back is going to be good. They have a great offensive line. The offense is good. The run game is good. And Jerome Ford right now is the direct handcuff to Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt is gone. Dearness Johnson is gone. And I'm I'm going to make that bet on Jerome Ford. It Drafting early in the offseason has inherent risk in that we don't always know for sure who the backup running backs are. And it's also possible that a veteran signs there. But that also means that we're going to get these guys totally free prices. If no one signs in Cleveland and we get to camp and Jerome Ford's the number two, he's going several rounds ahead of this. And so it's a risk reward situation that I'm willing to, to take on that risk to get that reward, especially on these kind of zero running back teams where I need that running back upside. All right. So we're eight picks away. I'm closing this baby out, closing this puppy out. How did I screw that up? Closing this puppy out, six picks away, and I'm definitely taking a running back. I have two quarterbacks, six running backs, seven wide receivers, and two tight ends on a zero running back team. The last round pick that you use is, is a lot more personal preference than I think people will say. People will get really attached to exactly how many of each position you take, but in the 18th round, you really just want to capture that upside. But on zero running back teams like this, I need the upside at running back. And honestly, the running backs have more upside in the last round than most other positions, generally speaking, because we can be so wrong about those positions. Guys get hurt all the time. You never know who's gonna step in, but I have three guys in the queue that I'm considering. I mean, I would assume that they're not all gonna get taken before me, but let's hope. Three, three players, Pierre Strong, one I'm really high on, fourth round rookie two years ago, or, or last year, so not this season, year before. Patriots brought in James Robinson, but Damian Harris is gone. I'm willing to bet against Damian Harris, at, or excuse me, to bet against James Robinson being the handcuff there. Eric Gray was a draft pick this season for the New York Giants, and we've kind of been in search of who is Saquon Barkley's handcuff for the last year and a half. And 
I think it's going to be Eric Gray. Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell are just a guy. But who I'm going to go with, who makes the most sense on this team, is Malik Davis. You see multiple things here. One, Malik Davis, in my opinion, is the handcuff to Tony Pollard. I understand that the market does not necessarily agree. Deuce Vaughn is 170 pounds. I could throw Deuce Vaughn all the way across this room right now. He's little, and I'm not that big. Deuce Vaughn is not a fantasy asset to use. He, his dad is a coach on the, on the Dallas Cowboys. They drafted him, and Deuce was one of the most fun college football players in America, particularly last. But I, I, I think we have jumped the shark a little bit drafting 170 pound, basically seventh round running back. He was a conditional sixth round pick over guys who are established NFL players. Malik Davis is the guy who got to play for the Cowboys last year that not named Ezekiel Elliott or Tony Pollard. Zeke, obviously now gone, they brought in Ronald Jones. In my opinion, Ronald Jones is a potential threat to early down work, but I don't believe that they want to use Tony Pollard in a total workhorse role. And Malik Davis' best asset in college was actually that as a kind of a, a weapon, a wide receiver. He was a fine runner, but he was a receiving kind of satellite. I am much more interested in Malik Davis out of all of those backs in, in Dallas behind Tony Pollard. And so I actually like Pierre Strong. I like Eric Gray. I'm a sicko who can get really into a lot of these late round running backs. But on this team, as you see, again, with the draft hacker, Malik Davis lights up in green, right? You say, what is that? Why Why is Malik Davis lighting up in green? Um, well, fun fact, you drafted... Actually, Malik Davis lights up in green because I drafted him, or me. But Malik Davis lights up in green, Miami. Oh, you drafted Devin A-Chain? Okay, got some Week 16 correlation with Malik Davis. Let's really galaxy brain this. And then Detroit, Jamison Williams, Sam Laporta on, on, on this team. So again, th these things are not the end-all, be-all by any stretch correlations and all of that are levers we pull when we reach tiers where all these players are the same and you tell me what the difference is between pierre strong and eric gray and malik davis and uh i can pull up the rest of the running backs and michael carter and zach evans and all these guys if you wanted to say you should draft zach evans or kyron williams or one of these other backs i would say that's totally fine but i was looking for uh uh, the Dallas situation, because I think Malik Davis is underpriced compared to, say, a Deuce Vaughn and a Ronald Jones. And the final point is if these guys are not being drafted in every draft in a tournament like the puppy, clearly here, this is a puppy show. You saw the thumbnail. We're drafting in the puppy. The puppy is a tournament that is only open for so long, maybe two weeks at most. Puppies later in this offseason are going to be open for like four or five days. So the tournament closes very quickly. The power of a player not being drafted is like what we saw in Eli Mitchell's rookie season. When he goes completely undrafted and he hits, no one has him. No one. And I'm not saying Malik Davis is going to hit. Who the heck knows? But the power of Malik Davis on a zero running back team on a team that has these correlations set up and in a tournament where where no one drafted him he's extremely low owned the combination of those things is exactly what we want to target in our drafts so super quickly to get out of here let's run off for the audio listeners jalen hurts sam howell at quarterback 
I won't get into the Sam Howell thing. You guys know me. You know I'm into Sam Howell. But we stacked him with Terry McLaurin. We used the Jalen Hurts super unique weirdo sicko leverage with the Bengals stack. But the running back room is Cam Akers, Devin Achain, Eli Mitchell, Tyler Algier, Chuba Hubbard, Jerome Ford, and Malik Davis. That is a zero RB bro room for sure. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Terry McLaurin, Kadarius Toney, Rashad Bateman, Jamison Williams, and Jalen Hyatt, and then George Kittle and Sam Laporta at tight end. I'm super stoked about this team. I think this team encapsulates a lot of the different things we want to do in these tournaments, and it encapsulates things we want to do in specific tournaments, like the puppy, as we just talked about with Malik Davis. We get a little bit of unique combinations at the top. Even though we started with a non-unique combination, we found a way to make it unique. We found correlations without reaching for correlations or going out of our way for correlations. We got elite quarterback. We got elite tight end. We got zero running back with a bunch of awesome zero running back picks. We got upside with sicko picks like Jamison Williams. I'm very excited for for this team. Check out um, the Discord in the description here. That's where all the sickos are hanging out. We're doing draft reviews. You can come get your teams reviewed uh, on a, a twice a week video here on Spike Week. And we're going to keep coming with tons and tons and tons of strategy and draft content. We already have drafts up for Best Ball Mania 4 and for DraftKings. And we have drafters drafts coming, and we're going to continue to post draft streams every week here on the channel. So make sure you're liking, you're liked and subscribed. And uh, I'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.